wonder how men like Ira Sankey and um, different people who were back in the years who were song leaders got along without PowerPoint. But I think they did. We thank God for what he's given us and we realize that everything doesn't always work. Well, as we continue looking at the subject of stewardship, we need to remind ourselves that God has allotted each of us 24 hours in a day. He's given us seven days a week. And yet it is not uncommon, even as we mentioned last time, for people to say that there's just not enough time in a day to do everything I need to do. Or I just don't know where time goes. And we could go on and think about this even. You got to be to work and punch the time clock in time. And you better not punch it early when you go home. Time is such a restriction and it seems to bind us in. Um, even flying, you better make sure your plane takes off at the right time because if not, you might miss your connection. That has never happened to me since the last time I flew. Um, when we went to Jacksonville, our plane got delayed in Charlotte. Um, we got on the plane, ready the second plane, I think it was, ready to go, and that wasn't ready, so we had to get, I mean, it was a mess. Hour better late. We arrived in Jacksonville because we were late. Our car wasn't available anymore. I mean, one thing after another, because of time. We're wrapped up in the realm of time in one way or another. Well, we want to continue this morning looking at the subject of the stewardship of time. Getting home this morning, uh, as opposed to what we were looking at last week, I do want to remind you of what we saw last time quickly just to help us get the understanding of time, the background of time. Often we think um, of time, we think of me and my own world, and yet we know that time wasn't here. There was eternity. But then, in the context of time, as we think, that's what we begin to think. And, and we can't get out of time. Uh, we're locked into time, right? That's how we live. But let's think about for a moment God, time, and his actions. God is eternal. God is not, was not limited to time. He is sovereign over time and eternity. And as we reflect upon that, it really blows our minds trying to reflect upon eternal. We gave an illustration of that last time that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it said, tells us that even before the creation of the world, God chose us. And when did that happen? Well, before the creation of the world, but when? A hundred years, a thousand years? And yet, we don't know, but it was out there, it was in eternity. Again, blowing our minds. But remember, God is sovereign over time. And in the same thing, God doesn't change. And because of that, we know that in his sovereign program, it has always been whether salvation, sin, or anything. 
it's all been confined to time, but it's always, but you see the frustration, if you ha don't, I trust you'll just try to reflect on time and eternity and realize trying to get those together. But I want to remind you as we realize we do live in time, the source of time. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Um, it's interesting, you and I who are believers and been around the church for a while, this verse is very familiar. We heard, a, we were watching a quiz show the other day and one of the questions were, what are the three first, the three words in that the Bible starts with? Or something like that. And the person says, I don't have the foggiest idea. And yet we know in the beginning, time, that's when everything began. Think about it as it relates to God. Remember we saw Psalm 90. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, like a watch in the night. Or in Acts 15, known to God from eternity are all his works. He's talking in time, but it's from eternity, telling us about God. And right in the middle, Paul mentions God is eternal, but yet he doesn't have to function in the realm of time. Even as we think about our salvation, in John 3.15, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God shows us, then he applies that salvation to us, and it's called eternal life. It refers to believers. It refers to those of us who are saved. But regardless of the age or how or when we're saved, we're told here it's eternal life. Does that just mean it lasts forever? Well, that's a word for time. Let's move into time and let's look at our stewardship of God relating to time. And I want you to think about this this morning. We're going to open in a minute to um, the scriptures in Exodus, but notice the source of our stewardship. We read in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's. That's why we don't litter. It's his. We don't want to destroy his creation. The earth is the Lord's. All is fullness, the world, and all those who dwell therein. Everything about the world functions the way God has given to us, even time. A few weeks ago, we preached about money. And you know, we'll talk about saving money for a rainy day. We, we save up for even retirement or whatever. But I'd like you to try saving time, the time you didn't use this week, for next week. And we can't do it. God has given us time. God has given us our stewardship in time. Whatever it is, we have a lot of time to do what God wants. Let's look then at the general use of our stewardship of time. Would you turn to Exodus chapter 20? And one of the first real instructions given to us about time is found 
in the Ten Commandments. We find time before that, but here are specific instructions. Je Exodus 20, look at verse 9. Exodus 20, verse 9. In the middle of the Ten Commandments, he says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. We find here we work six days. The seventh has been set aside. Why? To reflect about creation, what God has done. Nobody is to work, not even your maidservant, your servants, anybody, for any reason. They got the day off too. But then we notice, would you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5? Deuteronomy chapter 5. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And what is here but a reiteration of the Ten Commandments? But I want you to see how they're worded as later on Moses is teaching Israel about the Ten Commandments. And look at how he puts it here in Deuteronomy 5, beginning at verse 13. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. <coughs> Excuse me. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle. That means you don't go out and milk them on Sunday or Saturday, the Sabbath. Nor your stranger, nor your stranger who's within your gates that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Now, in Exodus, we were told they were to keep the Sabbath to reflect upon creation. But here, verse 15 says, you're to remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought you out. It was he who delivered you. And if we could parallel that, we reflect on the Lord's day about his salvation, about his deliverance. That's why it was given to us. You say, well, the, old, uh, the law was not given for today. We're not Sabbatarians, but we do have the Lord's Day, don't we, to honor him. We have the new, in the New Testament, it's the first day of the week. And we might say we operate on the Sabbath principle. We set aside a day to worship. That's why it's very easy to gather on Sunday, the Lord's Day, to worship a day, a set time in the calendar where we gather to worship and reflect, yes, about his creation, yes, about salvation. It's not a day that has been given for us to do our shopping or mowing the lawn. It's a time of reflection. 
In the olden days, before our time, I remember history as we go back into various settlements like Jamestown. We visited Jamestown years ago, and it talked about coming to church on, they call it the Sabbath, but the Lord's Day, and you come and you bring two things with you when you come to church, your Bible and your rifle. Your Bible to learn and your rifle if you're attacked by Indians. But come. And then they would spend the day together worshiping, honoring the Lord, enjoying one another in fellowship. Oh, how things have changed. In the very beginning, beginning man was given the task to work in the garden to take care of it. Sin entered the picture. Now things are harder to do because the body works so hard we're expected to treat it as a stewardship, take care of it. We need sleep. We need to rest. We need to refresh ourselves. And it is never given to us as a day of travel. In fact, there was even in the Old Testament how far you could go on the Sabbath. And at times people now want to use Sunday as a good travel day. I can enjoy my vacation right up through Saturday and drive all day. That's not the way it's given. We're given the Lord's Day to worship and honor him. That's time. Time is a resource we should not waste. We should use it for God's glory. And yes, there's leisure. There's rest in there as well. But we've reached a point that Leisure time is often self-focused. We'll get into that in a moment. We have something else we need to do. We need to reflect about time. And I want to share a verse with you that ought to govern every minute you have in your life. And that's 1 Corinthians 10. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, the minor things we might say, or, well, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Simply put, God has given us life to glorify him. He has given us minutes and hours and weeks and days, whatever is in them to glorify him. So we look at what we're going to do. Will this glorify him? Yesterday morning at 9 o'clock, what you were doing, was it glorifying him? What you did last night at 11 o'clock, was it glorifying him? What you're doing at 9 o'clock this morning, was it glorifying You begin to see the picture? Whatever you do, do to the glory of God. God fits into those things. Well, let's look at some specific uses now of our time. Remember, we look at them in the context of 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Time God gives us then to spend with him. That's one part of time, with him. Turn, if you would, please, to Psalm 1. Psalm 1.
Look at verse 1, Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. In other words, he doesn't focus upon unsaved people, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the scriptures. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He reflects upon God's word as I use my time. One thing it should include is getting to know God better. Just like we read in Psalm 119, verse 48. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. And I'll med meditate on your statutes. You get the psalmist attitude there? I'm going to lift up your commandments. I love them. Do you know something? If you love something, you spend more time with it. That's what you do with your husband and your wife. You spend more time together because you love each other. And here the psalmist says, that's the way I see the scriptures. Or I think of Joshua as he began his ministry. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You'll teach it. But you shall meditate in it day and night. It will affect your life. Why? That you might observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. I want to share an illustration that I, I think about doing the word. Let's take two girls, one and two. That's their names. One of them made a promise to do something. She didn't do it. Okay? Well, in thinking about that, what is one thing she didn't do? Well, in Psalm 15, it says, you keep your word to your own hurt. I promise to do something, even though I'd rather do this. See, when we make a statement, we keep our word, even if it's going to hurt. Well, we grow. We want to spend time in the word. One reason my wife and I went to various conferences, counseling conferences, family conferences, not just to be able to minister, but to grow as we see giving time. Let me share an example of this, an illustration. You look at the life of Jesus. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed, spent time with God. He's the example we have. We need to be like Christ. But it also, is there is that general time of worship, not only but individually, but remember what Hebrews says about the use of time in worship? And let us consider one another. When you come to church, you ought to be thinking about others. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I want to encourage you. That's one reason I'm here. Your seat, when you abs are absent, affects people too. But he goes on and says, so not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said good to see you to somebody at church? That's what it's talking about. 
Have you ever said to somebody, we missed you in worship? That's what it's talking about. Worship together is given to us to honor God. That's where we grow. That's where we serve. That's where we sing. Even if we mess up songs. You know why you mess up songs? Because we're full of sin. We can't do everything perfectly, can we? But we use special music, talents for, to honor God. I think there's talents here that could honor God more up here in special music. We ought to be honest with ourselves as we worship. But now let's reflect a minute. When does worship begin? When does worship begin? Well, let me share. As we think about it, should not our hearts be ready before we arrive at church? Before we arrive. Lateness to worship shows it isn't important in certain ways. Oversleeping to miss time with the Lord shows where our heart really is. Tardiness isn't acceptable in the world. Should we who are believers then show up to what's important to God and be late? Our workplaces have a, uh, many of them have a time clock we punch. Make sure you're there on time. Don't leave early. How can we prepare for worship if we're rushing around Sunday morning? Get the clothes ready Saturday night. Really, that's when the battle is won or lost. Saturday night. When does worship begin? Reflect upon that. Do we come ready to worship or are other things affecting us? But there's another thing we want to reflect on. That's time to even reach out to the unsaved. Paul taught the churches this very thing. In Ephesians, he said, See then that you walk circumspectly, that you walk properly as you should, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We're to be living and using our times, buying up opportunities, that word literally means, to minister. Or in Colossians, we read this, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside the unsaved, redeeming the time. How much time do we put ministering to non-Christians? When you have a visitor to your class, for example, whether Wednesday or Sunday, do you contact them that week? Do they know you're happy to have them there? We have pictures that, I don't know if they've been passed out or not from VBS. I don't know how it's being done. David's been in charge of that. Has he asked you to do it? Have they been done? Guys in the door have different needs. Do you reach out to them? See, we have opportunities to use our time to reach people outside. But then there's also the time that God gives us to serve and minister. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. You know, I remember... 
a guy coming up to a preacher, it wasn't me, but I was standing there, and he said, preacher? He says, you've stopped preaching and you've started meddling. Well, that's what happens when we look at things like time, isn't it? But I want to remind you of something. In 2 Timothy, we read this. Paul says, in many things I uh, have to say to you, I'm sorry, many things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. You've heard this, Timothy. Commit those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Ministering the scriptures, sharing the word of God. Look in Ephesians 4 here, verse 11. And he has given some to be apostles, some prophets, and even some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why does he give them, verse 12, for the equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ? The pastor ought to be teaching how to do it, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is head of Christ, head. Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working which every part does its share, causes growth of the body of edifying of itself in love, using our time to minister, ministering to family and friends, people at church, Bible studies. Sometimes I don't understand why men and women who love the Lord or claim to love the Lord find it so easy to never want to be involved in Bible studies. If we were to announce Wednesday, Thursday night we're going to have a Bible study for this group, would they be there? I don't know. I think of men sharpening men. But let's move on. Think about help, using our time to help people in need. I'm talking about physical needs. Look at what Galatians reminds us in Galatians 6. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. People have needs. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. There are needs. Do we reach out to people? Or how about this? Ephesians, as we have here an illustration, the put-off, put-on principle. Let him who steals, steal no longer. Stop stealing if you do it. But rather, let him labor, work. Why? Working with his hands, whether it's good, that, and that's what the word that means, here's why, that he might have something to give to him as need. Do we ever look at people who have needs and say, I get to help them? I love to help them. I want to help people. That ought to be our attitude. And Paul didn't say get a job so you can provide your own needs. He said get it so you can help others. Do we ever do that with our time? Or how about Hebrews 6? For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God doesn't forget. Now, let me ask you, can your pastor or anybody, for that matter, feel free to call upon you 
to ask for help in somebody's life. We do meals for people. We call. We have ladies in charge of that. There's other things. But can we feel free to ask others for help? I have heard people say this as well. Let's hire it done. My time is too valuable. When we have work time, we're fellowshipping with one another. We get to spend time together. See, what ministry looks like is varied as our talents are varied. It's a lifestyle devoted to using our time together to minister to others. Meeting the needs of people. Doing good. Now someone will say, well there aren't that many hours in a day or a week. Well, let me ask this question. After looking at all these verses and frustrating you, making you mad, maybe. And then you say there aren't that many hours in a week. So let me ask you this question. Who has given you the 168 hours in a week to do what we've said, what we've seen in the scripture? Answer that in your mind, in your heart. Who has set down certain necessities for our walk to please the Lord? Who has done it? We need to answer that. If God wants us to do something... Will he provide time to do what he pleases, as we've seen today? That time is there. We do have the time to do his will. Do all these questions cause us to evaluate our use of time? They ought to. Okay, here's another question. I got a whole bunch of questions here. Do you ever waste time? That's a stupid question, at least in my life. How much time do we put into Facebook or other social media, for example? Do, do we put Bible in Facebook or other media? I was talking to a guy at, in Lafayette a couple of years ago, and every day he puts a Bible verse in. Just a Bible verse. And I hit like every day. And I went up to him at the conference and I thanked him for putting those Bible verses in. And I says, you know what? How can I read a Bible verse and not like it? I mean, think about that. What Bible verse couldn't we like? That's frustrating. He put that there and now I respond. We got a door to minister when we're sitting and relaxing even like Facebook. I'm too busy to do things. But what do we ignore? And by the way, I, yes, I may have upset you, but I'm not done. I got something else. This week, the fair starts. How many people are going to miss church Worship, whether it's Wednesday or Sunday, for the fair. <laughs> Think about it. 
God has given us time. The fair isn't going to set aside. We're closed during these hours of worship. We have to make those decisions. Are we going to do 1 Corinthians 10.31? I'm not done. I want to share something for you to think about. Then we'll be done. We'll be done in time, whatever that means. Time, that's an interesting word. But think about it. Number one, whoop. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> Am I willing to evaluate the time given to me and how I use it? Answer that. Am I willing to do that? Just am I willing to evaluate it? Second, am I willing to make major adjustments so I can even spend time with the Lord? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to make major adjustments so I can minister to others? That takes time. Helping others. Last question is this. Am I willing to make sure the Lord is the priority of my time 168 hours a week? I trust we'll think about this. I know it's been pointed because it hits us where we are. But you know why we're here tonight, today? God has given us time to breathe, to live, to worship and honor him. And might we rejoice in that privilege today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be able to worship, to, to honor you. As we examine ourselves, certainly there's those frustrations, those adjustments. Lord, help us to realize what we do is to glorify you. Guide us even as we dismiss in Jesus' name.